pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 203. Today I'm going to chat with Mark, aka Fit and Fire, discuss a 2A win in the Fourth Circuit Court, highlight an innovative new armor plate, and talk about paying it forward at the drive-thru. I'm your host, Ava Flanell, and Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. I got to say, one of the things I love about not having video during my podcast is I can paint my nails and do this interview with you. I may be doing that same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking to myself, because I have to go on a trip and I have to leave in a few days and okay, I'm going to kind of get ahead and have my nails done and maybe pack because I always wait till the last minute and it just always screws with me. All right, I got to paint my nails. Oh, wait a minute. Hello. I'm a female. I could multitask. I can paint my nails and talk to you. (laughs) For sure. I mean, I personally feel that anyone who prepares for a trip ahead of time are psychopaths. Yeah, well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess, man, I've reached a new level, a new psychopath level. (laughs) I just hate having to stress out the night before. And then, of course, you always have to wake up early. It'd be so nice just to have a flight that leaves even at 10 a.m. would be nice. But they always leave at 6 a.m. So you have to get there an hour beforehand at least. And then I have to take my rifle with me, which I got to say, this is actually the first time that I've traveled with a rifle. I've always traveled with handguns, but I'm not really looking forward to it because now I have to carry this huge freaking Pelican rifle case and then a check-in bag. And I'm going to need help. Yeah. So what you're saying is you need a uh, luggage caddy to come with you. Yeah. So are you applying for the position? Because it doesn't pay, but it has perks. It does. I'm not sure what the perks are, but you get to touch my gun. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that's well worth it. Okay, cool. The gun that I'm actually bringing is the Smith & Wesson M&P 15, and I'm actually going to the gun shop tomorrow just to update the trigger, the muzzle device, and then the spring, just so it shoots a little bit better. But other than mm-hmm. that, I'm not really doing anything else to it, and I'll probably make a video about what I upgraded because the parts are actually pretty affordable. I feel like nowadays you can get some pretty good parts on the market that don't cost an arm and a leg, but the M&P 15, that being a great rifle and all. We were actually discussing before the show started that you were interested in checking out the new Shield Plus, which I think you definitely should. It shoots really well. I've heard stellar things about it. Uh, I've seen one at my local shop. I've kind of picked it up and messed with it a little bit. But, you know, you never really get that true understanding of how a firearm is going to work until you get it to the range. Oh, yeah, I know. And that's why I've always told students, even though it might feel great in your hand, you can operate it racking the slide back and all the mechanics of it. But you really don't know until you actually get behind the gun and have some trigger time. And I will say that it's one of those things. I actually didn't think I was going to be that impressed, but shooting it, I think out of all my compact guns, I shoot that one the best. I would definitely check that out. If you guys are interested, head on over to smith-wesson.com. Learn the things you never knew 
on deconstructing the industry. All right, Mark, for any listeners who may not be familiar with who you are, can you just give us an overview of what your background is, what you do in this industry, all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Mark. I run a YouTube channel called Fit and Fire. I'm actually doing the best I possibly can to meld my two passions, which is fitness and firearms. I've, you know, been active, man, almost my entire life, either playing some type of sport or getting out uh, with my pops to go to the range and shoot. So those have been uh, something that's been near dear in my heart for quite some time. I've been running a YouTube channel now for, goodness, it'll be four years this month. And I've had a really great time doing that, just sharing my thoughts on a whole bunch of different things. I mean, just different types of gear, different types of pistols and rifles. And uh, yeah, just that's crazy that it's only been four years. Yeah. You know, I, I think back to some of the different trips that I've taken and I'm thinking, I was like, oh, that was just last year. And then I sit back and think a little bit harder. I was like, oh, oh, that was three years ago. <laughs> so. Yeah, but, but I feel yeah. like since I've met you, you've had a YouTube channel, but I guess, I don't know. For some reason, I thought you were doing it for much longer. Yeah, you know, I, that's something I really kind of kick myself about. I, I wish that I had started a couple of years earlier. I had thought about doing a YouTube channel several years before I actually started. And, you know, just not knowing the ins and outs of how to film something, how to upload it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and how to edit and everything else. That was always my biggest hurdle. And uh, Johnny B is actually who really pushed me into the YouTube world and really kind of, odd as this sounds, kind of held my hand for the first few months until I kind of got up on my feet. And uh, I owed a lot of my success to him and a number of other people too. Nice. You were in the army for 11 years. Is this kind of what got you started in the industry or were you always into guns? I was really kind of always into guns because of my dad. He took us to the range as much as he possibly could. You know, he worked second shift. So, you know, evenings were always pretty tied up. But uh, on weekends, he would take us to the range. And, you know, I got to shoot some really cool antique and historic pistols. But it wasn't until I got into the army and really got to start shooting some really cool stuff, you know, and to be frankly honest with you, I wasn't really big, quote unquote, big into guns until after I got out of the army. It was about a year or so after I got out that I was really kind of hooked. And a best friend of mine really encouraged me to get involved in concealed carry and, you know, making sure that I'm trained and carrying on a regular basis. And that's where it just kind of took off from there. Nice. You're also a firearms instructor. When did you decide to become a firearms instructor? Oh, that's been kind of a ongoing thing. You know, it's I try to keep my instruction stuff to very, very low level, one-on-one type of situations, working through USCCA and trying to complete some of the NRA certifications as well. But I've always had a fondness to teach and instruct other people. Not because I know better than anyone else, but because I feel that I have some pertinent information that could be easily shared. And mm-hmm. I've been able to take a few people who have, are brand new to the firearms world and allow them to shoot and have had 
good success with it, you know? So a lot of it's just kind of a one-on-one type of thing. And, and hopefully, I'm hoping within the next couple of years, I'll actually start pulling together an LLC and actually trying to train people as kind of a business. But you we'll should, see what happens. I don't know. I think that you'd be great at it. I think that it's one of those things where just like your YouTube channel, man, I just wish I didn't keep putting it off. I feel like you're mm-hmm. probably going to think the same thing for starting a training company. And it's one of those things where you don't have to teach tactical classes, which I don't. I just stay in my lane. I teach basic pistol and concealed carry. Those are my two main classes. I've been doing it for eight years. And it's just one of those things where I don't know a lot of instructors that were able to do it full time and make a living off of it. I was one of the fortunate ones. But now I look back, yeah, I don't know if I could live off that now. (laughs) But I mean, for a few years, I did. But I think that you would make an excellent instructor. And even if you just taught a group once a weekend or something, just a group of five people, and then just kind of started from there. Yeah, I appreciate that. The most recent iteration that I had at the local range here, I was taking a first time shooter out and just, you know, shooting a pistol and teaching the basics. Okay. This is what trigger squeeze is. This is your sight alignment and sight picture, equal height, equal light. This is how you reset the trigger. Obviously, before we even started, these are the safety rules. Here's how you load and unload the magazine or the pistol and Mm -hmm. and go from there. Got out to the range and the RSO comes walking up to me and said, Hey, how long are you going to be here? And I said, oh, I don't know. Do you need the lane? Do we need to get off? He's like, no, no, no. I need to run to the store to buy instructor of the year award for you because I can't believe everything that you've just taught this young lady here that you are doing a stellar job. And it just blew me away. Yeah, it blew me away. I was really, really surprised. I I thought you were going to say, I got to go run to the store. Can you watch the range? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was expecting as well. But I talked to him after, once we got done, he's like, yeah, I'm the lead instructor here and I do all the concealed carry courses and everything that you taught was exactly what I teach. Yeah. Although I got to say, I haven't heard of equal height, equal light. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard that one before, but I like it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously on your sites, when you're aligning your sites. uh, And then if there's any distance in between equidistance and. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I'm going to have to use that. Well, my good friend, Fit and Fire. Mr. Do it. Mr. Fit and Fire, he taught me that. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But sometimes the biggest hurdle is finding a range to use because a lot of these ranges don't allow outside instructors. There are some hurdles, but I think it's one of those things where this is going to be your push. All right. If you're looking for a sign, this is your freaking sign to go establish that LLC. Super easy. I know in Colorado, it's $50. You mm-hmm. got it in a few minutes. I think I did. Well, actually, this is really bad, but. I'm pretty sure I was at a bar when I established my training LLC. I did it on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm so professional. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because I was at a bar having a beer with one of my lawyer friends and they were like, hey, why do you not have an LLC? You need to fix that right now. And I know the person who will set that up for you because he is a personal defense attorney for firearms situations and and, uh, he will get you set up exactly what you need. So Nice. Well, there you go. You have no excuses then. I don't really don't. Another thing that I noticed that you've been doing is you've been training with all these other instructors, which I got to say, I'm freaking jealous because I need to do this. Now it's your turn to push me to do something because I need to train with other instructors. I've been so just 
uh, I don't even really have a good excuse other than lack of time. But let's see, you trained with Masada Ayub, John Lovell, Chris Costa. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd imagine that you've taken away quite a bit from every class that you've taken. That's why you could assume, and I don't think that you're that type to assume, but some people, nah, I know everything there's to know. I'm good. But you could always learn more. Absolutely. And that's the thing that I'm actually getting ready to do a video on the most recent course that I took with Baratus Defense. And I've taken, I'm looking around at my wall here, I've taken at least 10 courses of either some type of pistol or carbine course. And every single class, regardless if it's a lot of the same information, I've always pulled something new away from the class. Maybe something as simple as like we were just talking about earlier, equal height, equal light. Something Mm -hmm. simple like that would help me help others understand how to shoot a pistol a little bit better or understand how to manipulate a, uh, a rifle, you know, AR or, a, or an AK. Mm-hmm. So it, that, that's the biggest piece for me is why I keep on going to all these different instructors and trying to mix things up is because I'm wanting to learn different ways of instructing and different ways to help me talk to other people about why I do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Nice. I like it. I'm going to take a quick break real quick. Talk about SB Tactical. Mark, you have quite a few SB Tactical braces. What's your favorite? My personal favorite is the SBA4. I absolutely love that brace. I have both that one, the SBA3, which is another great brace, and the SBPDW brace, uh, all of which have been really great. But my favorite, definitely the SBA4. Why is that? It's just a little bit more robust for what my application is. You know, when you are wanting to fit it around your forearm. It really locks down tight because of how it's designed. It's got some nice QD points, kind of where I like them to be for my slings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it just, it fits me perfectly. Yeah, actually the SBA4 is one that I don't really talk about as much. The SBA3 is one of my personal favorites. It just works the best for me, but that's kind of what's great about all of these different braces is everyone has a preference. Obviously we're not all the same. Our bodies aren't the same. And so they have such a huge selection to choose from, which makes it great. And then also, not only does it change from your body type, but also the gun that you're using. If you guys want to check out any of those braces, head on over to sb-tactical.com. And if you use the code GUNFUNNY15, you're going to get 15% off your entire order. I want to know, out of all the classes that you took within the last year, which was your favorite? Oh, you're going to make me do that, aren't you? I know. And I always hate when, what's your favorite gun? Of course, you're going to ask me that. But I personally don't hear that question much. But I would imagine that some are definitely better than others. Sure, sure, they are. I mean, because, I mean, you've got people like Masada Ayub, who is a legend in the firearms instructor world. Mm -hmm. You know, you have John Lovell, who is just a hoot. If you don't laugh in his class, you don't have a soul, you know. You have Chris Costa, who really puts a different spin on things. And I will say that out of the four classes that I've taken over the last few months, Chris Costa's class, I think, was the most beneficial to me hmm. and not for the reason why a lot of people would think. 
that class was a three day course and it rained every day. Yeah. It rained every single day. And you want a proving ground for your, for your gear and your equipment to understand how it's going to perform in the worst possible conditions. That was it. And I learned far more about my setup than what I was expecting to. And even through the course was changing my setup to make it better throughout the course. So that was probably, I would have to say, even though all the other classes were great, that's the one I learned the most from because of the inclement weather. Yeah, no kidding. I couldn't even imagine. I'd probably just cry. I'd curl up in fetal position. My hair, my hair is ruined. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of how I was because everybody talks about my hair. Uh, I was pretty upset. How is anybody supposed to recognize me now? My hair is glued to my forehead. (laughs) (laughs) In addition to that, by the way, in addition to that, it was about 45 degrees too. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was cold and rainy. And it was not just like a little mist. At some points, it was like a torrential downpour. It was just... That's crazy. It's definitely one of those things where when you take these classes, you do realize pretty quickly how well your gear is set up. I can't tell you how many times I see people, parts are falling off of their guns. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And especially people that built their own. And yeah, it's definitely a test. And then you add the weather in there and I couldn't imagine. Yeah. 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 So, and I will say that uh, one interesting thing about the most recent class that I took with Baratis, it was that there was three rifles that went down in that carving course. And it was very interesting to see the malfunctions that happened. And mm-hmm. I hate to say this or admit it, but two of the three were home builds, you know? Yeah. But they were all figured out. It was easy fixes and they were back up and running. Nothing that was like blatantly obvious or anything like that. It was some some minor little things that could have been done a little bit better. But mm-hmm. uh, ultimately, like I said, you learn so much from each course and it's not always about the instruction. Mm-hmm. And do you travel to these places or have these instructors just come into your area? Great question. The most recent, all of the ones that I've taken so far, uh, Masada's Mag 40, Lovell's course, uh, Chris Costa, and then Bertus, those have actually all been regional. But I have traveled to tactical response. I've driven, you know, 10 plus hours to get to Camden, Tennessee to take a course. I'm considering getting up to Thunder Ranch and checking out some of the courses up there. I would have to drive. I I just prefer to drive up there. Mm -hmm. So I have no problem traveling one bit to do courses, uh, especially if they're, I know they're going to be worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Aside from taking classes, you also recently took a class with Jim Fuller and you built an AK and that was just actually over Memorial Day. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Trip of a lifetime. Yeah. So I'm totally jealous. Literally you're living your best life and I'm over here. What am I doing with my life? I worked my ass off yesterday on a range and granted, okay, I shouldn't complain because I have my own private range now, but this summer hasn't been that fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's, I will say that that was a very long and slow burn to make, to make happen. We talked about getting together last January at uh, SHOT Show 2020. And I got to hang out with him at his house and eat pizza and drink vodka and and just talk all things AK. And we kind of kicked it around a little bit. And then I did a couple of live chats with him on YouTube. And uh, he finally was just like, hey, 
you've got your parts kit, get off your butt and get the receiver ordered and get your hiney out here to Phoenix. We'll get that pulled together. So was able to finally get my receiver ordered from Childers and it came in, synced up my schedule with Jim and drove out and had an awesome weekend. And what was that like? Did you learn quite a bit putting together an AK? Was this your first AK that you put together? Yes, it was. And I learned tons, not just about how an AK goes together, but simple things like how to use an angle grinder. You know, I've never had to use one before. You know, I've used Dremels and drill presses and you know, band saws and stuff like that before, but angle grinders never mess with that. Yeah. Understanding how to cut rivets off to, you know, quote unquote, demill a rifle to put it back together. Seeing small little simple things of how they go about making sure that the rivet holes that are drilled through the receiver match up with the trunnion and how they go about measuring all of that. And it's super simple. And then how do they get the rivet holes to match on either side? Small little details that I was like, I would have never thought of that mm-hmm. had I not gone through that course. Yeah, no kidding. I just learned how to use a lawnmower four years ago when I bought my house. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say I've come a hell of a long way. I was riding a skid steer yesterday. Okay. So yeah, Yeah. I've come up quite a bit in the world, but I'm curious. AKs lately are kind of all the rage, but it's not as easy as an AR to put together. And I also think depending on where you get your parts from, but a lot of these parts are old. They don't match up. There's a lot of problems that could unfold. I could see unfolding Mm -hmm. as you're doing this process. Were your parts, were they older parts or where did you get your parts kit from? So I got mine through a listing on GunBroker. It ended up being through our guns. They used to be a really, really good source for parts kits before all the parts kits started drying up. Mm -hmm. My particular kit is a 1988 Ishmash AK-74 and it was a virgin kit. And that was one of the first things that Jim said as soon as I opened my box and, and started showing him all the different pieces and he started he said, inspecting them. He looked he, he looked at your box. It's a virgin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> that, that, that is exactly how it went down, you know. <laughs> okay, but what does that mean? They just had these extra parts and they were never put together? So what it was is that this was a complete rifle that had never been shot. Hmm. Uh, that was manufactured in 1988 through the Ishmash factory in Russia. And uh, at some point between, I would say, probably 1988 and probably mid to late 90s or even early 2000s, they took that rifle and they cut it down. They cut the receiver away and they cut the barrel down. So all you ended up with were the internal components, the front and rear trunnion, the rear sight block the gas block and the front sight post and the trigger guard and Mm -hmm. magazine release and all that stuff. And then all of the furniture that goes with it is dump it into a box and import it into the United States and people, distributors end up buying it and it ended up in my hands. So (laughs) So interesting. That's one thing that always fascinates me is just a lot of these surplus parts I almost think, man, if these parts could talk, just what they've seen, what they've been through, what they've been used for, what they haven't been used for. It's so crazy to me. 
don't know. Right after I got back from Phoenix, <laughs> I was, I, oh man, it was, it was probably just a few days after I gotten back. I had sat down in front of my computer and was just sifting through some emails and Atlantic Firearms posted that they had Romanian battlefield pickup AKs. Wow. And I'm like, oh man, I just, I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know if I should get this or not. And I texted a couple of friends and they're just like, do you think that you'll ever be able to get it again? Yeah. And if you can, will you be able to get it at the price that you're going to pay for it now? And I was like, nope, this is then that should answer the question for you. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is with all these surplus parts, it's starting to dry up. Yeah. It's, so thanks for the, sending me the link and telling me to jump on that deal. Yeah. <laughs> really appreciate it. Well, now, <laughs> now I know I'll make sure I definitely send you some DMS, but this one's from 1984 and it is well-worn. This is not a virgin kit. So it was very used. Is there so, blood stains? No, but the furniture has trench art on it. Uh, oh, the cool. buttstock, yeah, the buttstock has Mary written into it. And then the, uh, are you ready for this one? The dong has uh, <laughs> has uh, some other name written on it. I can't really make it out, but it starts with an F. So, oh, boy. So this guy was a little bit of a player. He had two yeah. girls. Holla, you know, yeah, you know how they do it in Eastern Bloc. <laughs> That's crazy. I'm sure people are like, oh, hey, Mark, who's Mary? <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to take another quick break, talk about Caldwell. You actually use one of Caldwell's products pretty regularly. What is that? Yeah, they have this really cool rifle stand. It's really kind of compact and it sets up really easy, allows you to lock in your rifle into the stand and then allows some adjustments on either the pistol grip or the rear portion of the stock. And I've been using that rifle stand to do a lot of my accuracy testing in my videos. So in fact, it's the only stand that I use. So I've really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think that that's actually a great tool to use if you are looking to even sight something in. Just the other day, I was actually sighting in a new optic, and it's one of those things where if you're just holding the rifle, like, all right, stay still, stay still. All right, let's try to aim for the bullseye again. But I would imagine that this would take out a lot of that work. Well, did I move? Did I flinch? Is that why my hit isn't even close to where I just thought that I tried to zero my optic towards, I would imagine that that would be a great tool. In fact, I think I'm going to ask if I can get one of those just for that reason, because sighting in optics, and then I'm sure you're kind of like me where you get different optics. I want to try it out. So then you take it off of a gun that was already zeroed in. And then next thing you know, now you got to zero in two more optics. (laughs) And it's just, then I look at my gun wall when I'm picking out guns and all right, which ones are zeroed in? Because I don't really want to be bothered with that today. Yeah. Those things are really cool. And I think that that's what Caldwell is actually best known for are the rifle stands. If you guys want to check that out, head on over to caldwellshooting.com. If you use the code GUNFUNNY10, you will get 10% off your first order. Let's switch up the conversation a little bit. You're extremely active, hence fit in your name. (laughs) And I remember at one point you were practicing for some sort of fight. I don't really remember exactly what that was oh goodness yeah it was the one that you lost and you had a black eye yes uh, that is 
That is exactly it. Do you remember that one? Yeah. How could I forget? Okay. Yeah. If we could just not move in that direction, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a great experience. So in 2019, I competed in my first amateur kickboxing fight. And this is not like what you would think, you know, just a bunch of guys jumping into a ring. This was like sanctioned through the state of Kansas. We had obviously referees. We had to, you know, get your hands taped up and then get things autographed by the commission to make sure that obviously you're not sneaking stuff into your, into your fists Mm -hmm. or anything like that. So it was the real deal. Uh, you had to go in and you know make weight. And if you didn't make weight, then you didn't fight. And I <laughs> trained for almost, yeah, it was four months for this fight. And, you know, I didn't come out the victor on that, but I learned so much about what these professional fighters go through in their training, in their diet regiments, how they cut weight, how they cut weight very quickly you know, all of these different types of things. And then how all of that affects their performance as well was extremely interesting. So good time. I've been asked to do it again and I may do it again in the future, but uh, had a lot of work. Yeah. My nose hurts just thinking about it. <laughs> so I actually broke my nose in that fight. Oh, dang. Um, yeah. It was about 30 to 40 seconds in, in the first round. Oh and my gosh. I got a jab right down the right down the pike, right on my oh. nose. And as soon as he hit it, I was like, oh, that hurt. And then I felt the blood coming down my nose. And I was like, yep, that's broke. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's gotta hurt too. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. I I don't know. I, have you ever I mean, I was gonna say, have you ever been hit in the nose really hard? <laughs> but of course, <laughs> but me because I have a big Jewish nose. <laughs> but anytime I've gotten hit in the nose pretty hard, oh and that probably explains why you had a black eye then mm-hmm. as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. That nose getting broke. Did you, wait a minute. Did you get a free nose job out of it? Because I'm just asking for a friend. Technically, yes, I did, but not in the way you think. So, okay. So nothing it, cosmetic. No. Okay. Because in case, sign me up. <laughs> I'll fight. <laughs> <laughs> but I, interesting piece is I watched a Russian fight at the UFC, they, they, UFC was in Wichita in February of 2019. And I watched this Russian girl fight and she got hammered right in the nose and her nose was completely flat as she walked by us back to the locker room after the fight. Wow. Um, yeah, she ended up actually winning that fight too, but her nose was trashed. So, so there's lucky. hope. Yeah. <laughs> if you're so, wanting a new nose. Yeah. Right. Man, I got to imagine it's probably, and I think you mentioned this, is probably a really humbling experience because you think, all right, I'm ready. I'd imagine that you felt like you were probably in the best shape that you've been in a long time or if not your life, and you're probably feeling pretty confident about it. And then you get in there and it's just, uh, nope. The same thing with recently I changed my workout routine. So instead of doing this one bar class, I changed companies and I am training with a different bar. And I got to say, I feel like the bar class that I originally went to, it was the type where they give everyone participation trophies. You're good. You're good. Don't worry. Everyone's beautiful. Everyone's fit, whatever. Granted, it got me in pretty good shape. But then when I changed companies, just because of drama, it's something about, I hate to talk badly about women, but 
something about stay at home wives, moms, they don't have enough drama in their life. So they have to create all this drama. And now when I go to the new place, don't make friends with anyone. Don't talk to them. (laughs) Just get your workout in. And of course, I say this. And then the first day, I'm just, hey, guys, how's it going? I'm Ava. How long has everyone been doing this? Because I have to talk. (laughs) But the second place that I went to, I always kind of felt like I was more of in the top tier as far as fitness goes and being able to do stuff. And I got to say, this other place is no joke. It's on crack. And Mm -hmm. I felt like one after my first class, I felt defeated. I felt like I was going to throw up. I felt humbled just because nothing like being put in your place thinking, oh, I got this. No. In fact, even when they called and they're okay, well, we have different levels. We should probably take the intro. And oh, I've been doing bar for two years. I got this. Oh, I should have taken the intro. I felt like an <laughs> asshole. And I don't know. Sometimes I think that it's kind of good to be put back in your place and not feel too confident. And I think it's good to remember that not just with working out or doing any fighting or something like that, but just in general, same with training or feeling like, oh, it's not going to happen to me or oh, I'm prepped. I know how to use a gun. It's one of those things where I feel like you could never be too ready and overconfidence doesn't really get you anywhere. Yeah. That's really poetically put. I was extremely humbled after that fight. I was fighting a person who just a kid, really. I mean, he was literally half my age and he was eight inches taller than me. And so I was already on an uphill battle. Yeah. Before even the bell rang, I was already disadvantaged by age and height. Mm -hmm. But my coach was like, hey, we've got this. We're just going to push hard. We're going to work on our fundamentals. We're going to work on this and that and the other. And, you know, Mike Tyson said that you can have the best plan, but it all goes away after the first punch. And that's paraphrasing what he says, but Mm -hmm. that's, that's exactly what happened in my fight. That kid that I fought, he landed a jab right after the first bell. And I was like, oh, oh, we're actually doing this. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is not pads. Yeah. Um, this is the real thing. And he's going to try to murder me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, to be humbled and realize that as hard as I worked and in life, no matter what you do, as hard as you work, there may be someone that is better than you. And you're going to have to continue to push hard to overcome those challenges. And, you know, I got into the ring, I fought, you know, I was pretty depressed afterwards. I talked to a lot of people and like, look, dude, you did, you did something that majority of people would never do. And yeah, yeah, you got your butt kicked, you broke your nose, you got humiliated. But guess what? None of these other jerks that were in the stands they weren't doing it. Mm-hmm. So you were. So props to you. You know, yeah, I, I no kidding. That, so. Yeah, absolutely. And you wouldn't see me doing that in a million years. <laughs> Even <laughs> you though should, you, should, you should try it. I will say this is going to make me sound so people are going to be what kind of freaking messed up childhood did you have? But when I was 17, I got into a physical fight with this girl who was twice my size and she ended up breaking my collarbone. Oh, goodness. Yeah. That's <laughs> A lot of people look at me, oh, you're so cute and feminine. (laughs) You don't even know my past. (laughs) (laughs) But it actually kind of worked in my favor because I just changed schools and she went to the other school that I had left. And so nobody in that school knew that she broke my collarbone and my face was fine. Her face was messed up. So everybody thought I won the fight. I didn't, but nobody really knew. And 
the thing is, is when you break your collarbone, which I don't know if you've ever broken your collarbone, it's the worst bone to break because they can't really cast it. Mm-hmm. And you kind of just have to deal with it. It was horrible. My mom and my sister had to do my hair. <laughs> I, couldn't even, <laughs> I couldn't even lift my arm up unless I could do my hair with one hand, which I really wasn't. Yeah, it was a disaster. But yes, even with that said, I would never, ever have the guts to do what you did. So it's so true. And it's like that saying, you miss 100% of the shots that you didn't take. Yeah, you know? so, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Okay, switching up again. Let's talk about your show, Keep Calm and Carry. And I've been a guest on it. It was earlier this year, which I appreciate yeah. you having me on. And you do this for YouTube, right? You don't post it anywhere else? Correct. Yeah. I haven't figured out how to do the whole podcast aspect of it yet, uh, which I've been told it's pretty easy. Yeah. Um, Hello. Why don't you just ask me for advice? And then when you ask me for advice, well, I don't know, but I have an editor that does. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about Keep Calm and Carry. Sure. You go live once a week, correct? I have been. I have actually taken some time off. I'm going to start back up here in the fall. I've been taking care of my daughter for the first half of the year. And then I've got her all of this month. And then she goes back with her mom uh, starting next month. So in the fall, I'm going to launch Keep Calm and Carry again with some new, I would hope so, uh, some new and awesome host, uh, guests, rather. Nice. And you know what? It probably is just as well because I've noticed even with the podcast, people don't listen as much during the summer because you're competing with usually go live in the evening. People are still probably out enjoying the warm weather. They're mowing their lawn. Maybe they have a little fire going, a fire pit. Same thing with even classes. Mm-hmm. It actually probably makes sense even. In fact, that reminds me, this is where I tell everybody, yeah, we're going to quit for a few months and then I'll start back up too. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, my sponsors, they wouldn't appreciate that. <laughs> Do you have an exact month or you're just aiming for the fall when you launch again? I'm looking to start it back up uh, right in September. So hopefully right after the beginning of September, we'll jump back into the Monday nights, usually starting at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. If anyone's interested in going back and checking out the archives of all the other live chats that I've had out there, I've had some really great guests. Obviously, Ava has been one of them. We had a great talk, but I also had Dugan from Carnicon. I don't know if people oh. out there remember Carnicon from back in the day. But yeah, I was so a to... lot of people have actually mentioned him. I don't know who he is, but that's kind of he... crazy that you were able to get him on as a guest. Yeah, I just stumbled across his Twitter account by sheer accident, which I don't even know if is active, but I just sent him a DM and said, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. Would you mind? And he's like, yep. And he sat in his car. Uh, one Friday night and did a did a live chat with me over his phone. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I honestly, I haven't watched any of his stuff, but people have always brought his stuff up to me. And yeah, it's not active anymore and blah, blah. But that's really cool. And so anybody who wants to tune in, they want to find your YouTube channel, what can they search for? They can just search for fit apostrophe in space fire or all, all one word. You can put fit in fire. And you should be able to find it. No problem. All right, cool. And then lastly, you're actually prepping for a race in September, which is, I got to say, the fact that you even prep for anything. Sometimes I prepped, all right, I'm going to look good for this event. And then 
I somehow stumble into a restaurant that serves the best pizza ever, like yesterday, and then I eat like, an entire large pizza to myself. I'm pretty impressed that you could even prep for any of this stuff. <laughs> I definitely don't have the discipline for it, but tell me about the race that you're prepping for. Yeah. So one of the biggest challenges that I have in keeping up with my fitness is my body is starting to break down the older that I get. So running is not something that is very conducive to my body. I have discovered cycling, especially in the, in the area that I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, gravel road cycling is extremely popular in this area. In fact, just here in about a little over two hours, I'm linking up with the team to go do a 30-mile gravel road route. Yeah, and that's part of the training that we're going to be in. So what this race is, it's called a gravel duro. And basically, it is a race along country dirt roads that you're on, you know, your bicycle. Uh, Most of these bicycles look like... Like mountain bikes, I'd imagine. Actually, they're more like what you would expect to see on Tour de France, right? So... Back well, in the day, everybody had a 21 speed, you know, uh-huh. and like those only they just have a bit of beefier tires. Okay. And yeah. And it's all about speed and it's all about hills. And I never thought that I would ever be able to conquer some of the hills that I've been, yeah, <laughs> been no going kidding. up and down and it's, it's pretty cool. And the great thing about it is it's a great community of people, people of all walks of life get together and we go out and just, you know. We just get on our bikes and pedal and we pedal until we're tired and then we go home, you know? Wow. So it's been great. And originally when you're like, yeah, gravel roads and okay, so not paved roads. Interesting. I would already be like, uh, can we just go on the paved roads and be one of those annoying bicyclists that get in the way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And we have been, we have been those people. Interesting story is uh, just uh, late May, I had just switched up some of the gear that I have on my bike. And so for those cyclists out there, you have a couple of different types of pedals. You have just your flat pedals that you would get on just any normal bike, you know, that you would see. You have clipless tires, which are like this little cage that fits around your foot. And then you have clip-in pedals where you actually have a little device on the bottom of your shoe and it clips into the pedal. And your feet can't come off of them unless you twist your foot a certain way and it pops out. Mm, that well, sounds like an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> that's exactly what happened to me. I got a bruise on my butt the size of a football because I had just gotten done with about a 25-mile ride with the crew that I normally ride with on Wednesday nights. And I had been mentioning, I was like, man, I don't know why I waited so long to clip in on my pedals because you actually end up are you're able to use different muscles. Mm-hmm. So instead of like pushing down on the pedals all you the can time, pull you, up. you can pull up. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. I, I just, I can use different muscles. I don't get tired as easily. And they're like, oh, well, you know, just be careful, you know, take it slow. And I'm like, oh no, this is great. I'm having a great time. I haven't fallen <laughs> or anything. And then the very last stoplight as we're heading back to our starting point. We, st- we hit a stoplight and I come to a stop awkwardly. And normally what I was doing is unclipping my right foot and I would lean to the right and I would just stop kind of like you would on a motorcycle. But for some reason I was awkward and off balance and I ended up falling to my left. And 
all of my weight plus the bicycle came down right on my hip. Yeah. Oh, and man. <laughs> concrete. I had cars behind me, you know, people are laughing. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Yeah. It, it's been a good time. It's been a good time. So. <laughs> so do you still use the clips? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, and that was the thing. I talked to people last year about it and they're like, you know, you're going to fall. You might as well just get over it. And I'm like, well, I don't want to fall because this body's not bouncing like it used to. Yeah. <laughs> so. No kidding. Tell me about it. I'm going to be 35 this month. And that's not old. And I don't even think 50s is old, honestly. It's not. No, but it's not. you do notice you're okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I told my girlfriend, yeah, back in the day when we wanted to lose weight, I'd diet for like two days and I'd be like, all right, I'm skinny again. Hey. And now <laughs> I'm watching what I eat. I'm working out and then I eat pizza and it's cool. I just feel like I lost three weeks of everything that yeah. I worked for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so. you are you are looking great for 35. I will tell you that. So mm, thank you. Good. For, good on you. I don't have any kids, so that's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where most of my gray hair has come is <laughs> from my daughter. <laughs> or is there any other future plans that you can share with us? You know, I just got done doing a video on the level four plates from LA Police Gear. I did some ballistic testing and shot it with a few different rounds. That was really a good, uh, that was a good time. It was a lot of fun. That video just posted. And then I'm just working through a number of different pistols right now. I've got already lined up. I'm looking, going retro and looking back at the Beretta 92 FS to find out if that's still a viable option for people to use for home defense or carry. I've got Mm -hmm. uh, the CZ P10C. I'm going to be looking at the Glock 48, the P365 XL, and all of these uh, pistols that I'm talking about is also going to be doing some comparison videos. And the one that I'm working on right now that I'm extremely excited about is the Walther PDP. That pistol is amazing. Yeah, I haven't gotten my hands on it, but it looks pretty impressive. Yeah, I was able to get a huge help in getting this video started through Such. You know Such, mm-hmm. everybody know, should, should know Such. I reached out to him and asked if uh, there's any possible way that I could uh, borrow the pistol that he had done his reviews on and he's like yeah sure so uh he sent it to me and i've got it right now and running through he sent me the four inch barreled version and i've also got a friend that has the five inch barreled version and uh, let me tell you amazing amazing pistols wow yeah that's really nice of him and your friend to let you borrow it yep there's some videos you just cannot do without help yeah that's what i appreciate about this community oh yeah absolutely Okay, before moving forward with the rest of the show, can you just remind listeners where they can find you on YouTube and then all the other social media? Absolutely. YouTube, you can find me at Fit and Fire. You just type in F-I-T-N-F-I-R-E. You can find me on Instagram. That is where I'm most active. You can find me on there at F-I-T-N underscore fire. And then you can also find me on Twitter, if anybody still uses the Twitters or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> Fit and Fire there. And then Facebook as well, Fit and Fire, all one word. Okay, cool. Well, I'm happy to announce that my nail polish is dried. So ready to Wonderful. move on with the rest of the show. Mine's been done for about five minutes too. <laughs> Moving forward, IWI. 
Mark, I'm pretty sure you've used some IWI products before, right? Yeah, I've shot the X95 and then I have a Masada as well. Love both of them. Oh, nice. What do you know? I have the Masada too. Nice. And I think I'm getting the X95 SBR, which I've said this before, but there were some issues with my SOT paperwork because I changed location. So I finally just submitted that to IWI, but I'm really excited to get the SBR and then obviously attach some Manicorum's products to it. But let's talk about the Masada. <clears throat> Excuse me. Suddenly I have allergies. Feels like there's a waterfall coming out of my nose. <laughs> really attractive, I know. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> <laughs> the Masada pistol. I think it's a really great pistol. It's optic ready. It comes with, I'm trying to think mag capacity off the top of my head. Is it 17 rounds? 17, yep. Yeah. And honestly, the accuracy on this, I know obviously the accuracy is only as good as the shooter, but I've noticed that it definitely varies from gun to gun. Have you had really good luck with the accuracy? I've had decent luck with it. Yeah. Again, it does involve the shooter's ability to shoot well, but I would say that just picking it up right out of the box, I I was decent with it. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that I didn't care for were the sights that it came with. Just yes. because in Israel, it's a little bit different. But once I got the hang of that and put on a red dot, man, this thing shoots great. And MSRP, I don't know right off the top of my head, but it's for something, which is pretty yeah. freaking good for an optic ready pistol because a lot of these other guns, they're probably at least 600. And if you want a quality gun, I personally use the Masada pistol for home defense, that and the full size Smith & Wesson. And I think it's a great gun. If you guys want to check that out, head on over to IWI.us. Don't forget that if you guys find any accessories, you want extra magazines or a patch or anything like that, use the code GUNFUNNY15 and that gets you 15% off. Okay, today in the news of politics. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. There was a small two-way victory in the Fourth Circuit. This week, a Fourth Circuit panel of judges ruled two to one that provisions blocking otherwise lawful handgun sales to adults between the age of 18 to 21 are in fact protected by the Constitution. The law banning adults under 21 from purchasing a handgun was passed in 1968 and has been a point of contention ever since. Basically, every other constitutionally protected right applies whatever the age. The Second Amendment should be no different, especially when you consider the fact that you can serve in the military, 18, you can be sent off to fight a war, but you can't be trusted to purchase a handgun at home. It's always been crazy. And finally, there are some judges that agree. Judge Ness Richardson, a Trump appointee to the Fourth Circuit, authored the majority opinion. In it, he stated, virtually every other constitutional right applies, whatever the age, and the Second Amendment is no different. The militia laws in force at the time of ratification uniformly required those 18 and older to join the militia and bring their own arms, which actually I didn't know that, but it makes sense. While some historically restrictions existed, none supported finding the 18-year-olds lack rights under the Second Amendment. Further, he went on to point out that predating the ratification of the Constitution, Militias of the 13 colonies had an age of 16 to bear arms with only Delaware and Pennsylvania who had an age limit of 18. Judge James Wynn, an Obama appointee, dissented and said, Today, my good colleagues in the majority break new ground by 
invalidating a modest and long-established effort to control gun violence. The majority holds that Congress may not enact a law making 21 the minimum age to purchase handguns from federally licensed gun dealers, but the majority's decision to grant the gun lobby a victory in a fight it lost on Capitol Hill more than 50 years ago is not compelled by law. Which is just, in my opinion, just complete BS. So if you can die for your country, you should be able to protect yourself. And I think that's the bottom line. This ruling only applies to the Fourth Circuit, which covers Maryland, the Virginias, and the Carolinas. Anti-gun groups, including Brady, Everytown, and Giffers, are, of course, supporting the existing law. We'll definitely see the appeal to a larger panel of the Fourth Circuit and ultimately to the Supreme Court, regardless of the outcome. But I still think that this is a small win for now considering that people are starting to recognize that the Constitution doesn't have age limits. What are your thoughts on this, Mark? Man, I tell you what, I continue to hear this argument about, you know, age restrictions on people being able to, you know, own or purchase firearms. And again, and I like what you brought up in this and the fact that if you're able to go to some foreign distant land and shoot a fully automatic machine gun at the age of, in some cases, as low as 17, then you should be able to purchase whatever you want to defend your life. Now, it is a slippery slope. I totally understand how that all works. But at the end of the day, if you're telling our young people that they can defend our country, they can be a patriot and, you know, join the military, then there should be no restrictions. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, we tell people, okay, at this certain age, you have now earned the right, or I should say, earned the privilege to drive an automobile, right? So if that's the case for, for them to drive an automobile, then, you know, they should be able to purchase firearms as, you know, young as 18 or, you know, as young as 17. I, I personally, I don't believe that there should be an age restriction at all, mm-hmm. as long as a responsible adult is, you know, teaching them the right safety precautions, you know, uh, but I, I don't believe there should be any restrictions on firearms at all. So yeah. That's just my opinion. Yeah. It's tough because I think obviously I feel like it varies per person. Some people are extremely mature for their age and others, cool, are you ever going to grow up and take responsibility? But I think eventually that's something that shows. Same with driving. Eventually, you accumulate a driving record and your insurance goes up. There's consequences for being irresponsible. And same thing with when you start accumulating a record, you're not going to pass a background check and be able to get a gun. But yeah, I think that there shouldn't be. I would definitely say it makes no sense that you can buy a long gun and you can't buy a handgun. What are you gaining over having one and not the other? Yeah, I don't know. Even though that there's all this stuff going on in the U.S. with politics and we're definitely losing a lot of ground, it's nice to see that we're also gaining a lot of ground as well. Hopefully that continues. Let me ask you a question real quick. In the state that you live, I don't know if it works there, but here in the, in, in the great state of Kansas, if I'm 18 years old and a parent purchases a pistol for me and then gifts it to me, mm-hmm. then I have the ability to conceal carry it with a permit. They just passed that law here in Kansas. I don't know if your state has the same type of uh, privilege. Yeah. The parent could always buy their child a handgun, 
but you can't have a permit unless you're 21. So you still couldn't conceal carry it. Yeah. Yeah. So even though there's always those loopholes, a loophole in a way to be able to own a gun, you still would not be able to conceal carry it. Yeah. As far as open carry though, because Colorado is an open carry state, I would assume that you would be able to open carry. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. All right. Manicore arms. I mentioned that when I do get my IWI X95 SBR, that I'm going to be decking it out with a bunch of Manicore Arms parts. Do you have any experience with Manicore Arms? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've uh, gotten a couple of their rail sections. That Oh, uh, yeah, the transformer rail. Yeah, the transformer and then a couple of their brakes as well. So, Oh, nice. Really, really nice. Yeah, actually, their brakes. Their muzzle devices are one of my favorites. You can be a horrible shooter, barely holding onto the gun, and there's no movement. My favorite is the night break. I think that that thing just works amazing. It just has the ability to absorb a lot of that recoil and just make your gun a super flat shooter. It does. It really does. And then obviously the transformer rails I like because nothing's worse than Getting an accessory, ah, dang it, it doesn't fit what my handguard is. Maybe it's key mod or it's M-Lock. And all you have to do is just switch out those little panels and suddenly it will fit all your accessories and you don't have to go out and buy a new rail or a handguard as a result. Yeah. Lots of different, you know, cool options out there. They do have a lot of stuff for the X95 as well as the X95 SBR. Definitely check that out. Don't forget to use the code AVARocks15. That gets you 15% off your entire order, and that is at manicorearms.com. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's question is, I saw you out to tour the federal plant. How cool was that? Well, actually, guys, I have some amazing news This is the highlight of my year, but Federal just signed me on as an ambassador, which means that I will probably never have to pay for ammo again. (laughs) Well, for the next year, hopefully after a year, when my contract ends with them, they decide to renew because in my opinion, I think getting an ammo sponsor is probably the most difficult sponsor to get in this industry. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I am very jealous of you right now. (laughs) Well, look, you can come to Colorado and you can shoot my ammo. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's. Not that far of a drive for me. How about that? We'll meet in the middle. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm thrilled. They're not going to be a sponsor of the podcast. They're just sponsoring me as an individual. And I'm really excited for you guys to see what they have coming out. That's all I can say. But I think it's going to be changing the industry. You know, when you look at something and like a company comes out with a new product. Yeah, that's cool. And I can see that there's a niche for it. I don't think that this is a niche. I think it's going to transform the way that the ammo industry is really excited for that. And that news should be popping up here in about a month. But yeah, I did get a chance to tour the federal plant. I was on the federal podcast, which should be coming out in the next two weeks. That went really well. It was the president who was on the show with me. Him and I, we hit it off really well. And he's like, yeah, I'll have to show you the plant. I would love that. That would make my day. We were on a time crunch. So the other guy that I was with, all right, we can squeeze in 30 minutes. It was a really quick tour. They asked, what ammo are you most interested in seeing? I kind of wish I picked shotgun to a degree because apparently that's the coolest section. But 
me being most comfortable with handguns. Well, I kind of want to see how the handgun ammo is made. So we went through that section and it's just insane. Have you ever toured a factory, whether it's ammunition, handguns, anything like that? I have actually, yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't it amazing how they start off with, let's say in this case, a brick of lead, and then they make it into something. They're literally getting deliveries of pallets of lead in bricks and then to think that they take that and they ultimately transform it they melt it down they turn it into kind of like a rope and whether it's brass or lead to make the casing or the bullet but it's so impressive and then once they make the casing they have to carve out the head of the casing the back part And then they make the primers there. And to my understanding, there actually aren't a lot of factories that actually make the primers. Most of the primers in other brands of ammo, they're using Federal's primer. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what I heard. And then obviously they put the primer, the powder, they top it off the bullet, but it's just so crazy. And then some of the machinery is just so old school. They were telling me how, yeah, this machine was made in the 1960s and that's some of our newer stuff. And then they obviously have stuff that was made in 2020. It just goes to show that some of this machinery, it's one of those things, like if it works well and it helps with the quality, why change it? And and they were saying that it's hard to get new machinery where it makes it quicker because then the quality starts to lack. And then even in the machinery, it'll line up, let's say, 50 rounds and they're all sitting packaged. And it'll tell you there's a little marker that goes off red or something. And it'll say, okay, that specific cartridge, there's something wrong with it. Maybe based on weight or size or something like that. But yeah, it was freaking awesome. I was like a kid in a candy store and I love candy. But this and just to be around that much ammo. And then Dave, 22 Plinkster, he went with me. Yeah, it was really fun. It's so cool to see the progressive machines, you know, doing their bit to crank out round after round and how quickly it goes. Yeah. Oh, I know. They're literally making millions and millions of rounds a day. Mm -hmm. And to think, to look at all of that, and they were even saying, yeah, these pallets of brass and lead and all that, this is what we go through in half a day. And it was a whole section of just deliveries and they have trucks just delivering nonstop. And to think, man, even though they're producing millions and millions of rounds per caliber a day, And to think that's still not enough. We still have a shortage, but there's also 8 to 11 million new gun owners. That's 8 to 11 new people that now need ammo that we didn't need in 2019. But they're running machines 24-7. They've added new machines. They've hired more people. The last thing that they wanted to do was have, when was it? Was this 2013 when there was an ammo shortage and all these companies, okay, Let's buy all this machinery and the machinery is not cheap. And you're talking about millions and millions of dollars. And then they hire more people. And then as things start to level off and people aren't buying ammo like they were, they have to lay people off. I think a lot of ammo companies were kind of reluctant to do that this time around because they learned their lesson in 2013. Now we've seen this before. It'll pass. But I don't think we've ever seen something quite like this where we had so many new gun owners and the demand was just so much higher And so I don't think that this time around that it's going to happen where they're going to lay people off. And also, one thing that kind of annoyed me is somebody noticed what the president was wearing, which he was wearing a long sleeve flannel shirt and jeans. And then there was a factory worker wearing a short sleeve shirt and shorts as a female. 
And they were like, wow, I bet you he stays in its air-conditioned room all day while the factory workers sweat. And what a stupid communist thing to say. Yeah. One, he's made this plant to what it is. It just goes to show, hey, you work hard and you shouldn't be in a position where you work in an air-conditioned room. Everyone starts somewhere. But also me walking around in the plant and it was 85 degrees that day and it wasn't super hot. It wasn't, oh, man, just get me out of here. It is temperature controlled and there's fans. It wasn't like a China factory or something like that. But right, I just thought, what a stupid thing to say. Yeah, it's almost like saying, man, that's pretty messed up. That nurse that's treating a construction worker, she's in air conditioner all day while he's out there sweating. (laughs) Right. Come on. There's different jobs for different people, you know, and, you know, there are individuals. And I've been on both sides of it. There's individuals who suck up AC all single day, uh, every day, all day. And then there's the workers who are out on the floor sweating. And there's a progression. The people who are in the AC, they worked extremely hard to get to where they were. Mm -hmm. Well, and also, and I don't know if I could really go on record for saying this, but one thing that was brought to my attention is look at the cars. These are all the factory workers. The factory workers had nicer cars than some of the people that worked in the office. The factory workers are making six figures. It's actually, yeah. So they're not getting paid pennies. It's just people's perception is just so flawed. Let me take down some notes. Where's this plant? Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) No kidding. That's what I was thinking. Cool. So they definitely make more than I do. And I (laughs) wouldn't mind. And I thought it was awesome. I love seeing all that machinery and just things that you wouldn't even think about. And they have a machine that's just boxing the 50 round, the plastic things that the cartridges go into, just putting it in the box, inserting it, which is funny because when you get a box of ammo and you take out that little flap and usually it's stuck, it's jammed in there and I end up ripping the box. Mm -hmm. Yep. And to think a machine does that just because I always thought, oh, that's probably done by hand. People are probably packaging it. And I don't know. It's just crazy. Most of these factory workers, it's not like they're sitting there doing all this stuff. They're mostly just observing the machines to make sure that there isn't a jam. And then another thing that I really liked was they were hiring as we went through the doors. There were a bunch of teenage kids painting. And the president mentioned that during the summer, they hire the factory workers, kids and put them to work. And in this case, today, they were painting the factory. They were putting on a fresh coat of paint. And then we went through another place where there was people sitting down and they were sorting out ammo and I guess their special needs. And they gave the special needs people a job sorting through ammo. And I just thought that that was kind of cool because the problem is, is, yeah, a lot of special needs people, what are they supposed to do for work? Yeah. And so, yeah, I just thought that it was definitely kind of a community and they were really trying to put as many people to work as possible. And it was a really good vibe. And then also the people at Federal, I don't know what I expected, but I was like, man, I got to be on my best behavior. No jokes, no inappropriate jokes. And honestly, everyone was so freaking laid back and hilarious. I had a blast. It felt like I was just hanging out with my friends the entire past week. It was just nice. They were just really nice people, really fun to be around and really laid back. And it's just nice to see more of that. Yeah. It's awesome to have those types of trips, you know? Yeah. It's just, you're like, even though, because any type of business trip that you go out on, any type of business trip that you go out on, you, uh, you have this, you know, this anxiety inside of you that, you know, you got to be on your best behavior, you know, you got to put your best foot forward together. And then to show up and everyone's just like laid back and it's like, you know, you guys are 
high school friends that are just getting to see each other for first time in you know number of years and it's just like you've always known each other it's so relaxing that that's Mm-hmm. takes so much stress off of those types of trips. Yeah. And then it also makes you like the company as a whole that much more and you want to work harder for them. Yeah. Because I always think and it could be a great product, but like if the people behind the product aren't great, you're just, eh, they're kind of deep down jerks. You don't really want to work with them. So that also just solidified the deal. And yeah, it was just really cool. And honestly, this is probably one of my biggest accomplishments in my career so far is getting to be a federal ambassador and them signing me so quickly. It was a few hours before my flight. And like, All right, let's take a walk. Normally, we were planning on talking to you next week. We want to sign you right away. Yeah. I don't know. It's just fun. I'm really happy to be at this point in my career. And then I would be lying if I said that I didn't tear up as I was driving to the airport because you just get so many mixed emotions. Man, I worked my butt off. To get where I am, if you told me nine years ago that I'd be sponsored by Smith & Wesson, Federal, and I'm not a pro shooter. I'm very much an average shooter. So it's not because of my shooting skills, but for other reasons that I've yet to figure out. But (laughs) And then it sucks because the first person that I would have called and told is my mom. She was always the first person that I would, mom, guess what? Guess what happened? Yeah, Kind of sucked that I didn't have that, but it was fun to share with my Patreons. They were the first ones to know. And yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I look forward to bringing out more content. They said they want to take me on some hunting trips, which is going to be interesting because to date, I've only shot an alligator. But yeah, I guess she did just recently, right? Yeah. Yeah. In the last month and a half. And I did it well. I shot exactly where I should have shot it. But but hunting deer and stuff, and that's a whole nother animal. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine that they're going to have me skin the deer and right then and there, because from my understanding, if you don't dress I think it's called dress the, the yep. meat Kill or something. Dress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it rots. So, and mm-hmm. I would hate to kill something that wasn't put to good use. That's my one thing is unless it's a nuisance or it's being used for, you know, it's meat and hide and all that. I'm not going to kill it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Moving forward. Primary arms. <laughs> Mark, I hate to put you on the spot every time, but do you have any experience with primary arms? I have tons of experience with primary arms. Right now, I am rocking the Gen 1 Cyclops on my AK-47, and then I have two, uh, three, yes, I have three of their uh, low-power variable optics, and absolutely love them, 100%. Yeah, I think that they're just... I don't know. They've really stepped up their game as far as optics go. And I would say even a couple years ago, unless you're going to pay 500 plus dollars, you're really not looking at a good optic. Primary Arms has really found a way to bring that quality and price together, which is it's pretty rare when quality and the price kind of go together. They always say you get what you pay for. But man, Primary Arms is just hitting it out of the ballpark. And they're just coming out with so many cool things and their optics, in my opinion, are top notch. Yeah. Then they have such a huge selection too. Just when you think, man, how many more optics can they come out with? And then they come out with more and you didn't realize that you needed it. And then you look at it, go, I need that. <laughs> it's almost it's almost like they have an optic for every need. Yeah. That makes sense, you know? Yeah. But you also didn't realize that you had that many needs. You didn't realize you were that needy. And then what do you know? I am needy. (laughs) 
And if you haven't checked it out, the SLX microprism with the ACSS Cyclops reticle, that's soon to be shipping from Primary Arms. It's a really cool little prism optic. It's almost like the Trigicon MRO in terms of size and usability. Yeah, but it has. I was actually just talking about that with a friend of mine last night. That it's super similar. Oh yeah, super similar, and just I mean everything about it looks like it's going to be a rock star in the market. I think. Yeah, one of the differences is it has glass etched reticle, so that if the battery dies, that you still have that reticle. Which let's face it, your batteries they last pretty long, but it's nice to have that just in case. Lots of different options out there. I'd highly recommend you guys checking them out. Also, if you use the code AVA, just A-V-A, you get a free scope mount with every Primary Arms optic that you purchase, and that is at primaryarms.com. Today in Tacti Talk. Tacti Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Stronger than steel, tougher than ceramic. Adept Armor. Hopefully I'm saying that right, because I've actually never heard of Adept Armor. Have you? I have not, but you are pronouncing that word correctly. I can okay. tell you that 100%. Okay, yeah, thank you. I would be so embarrassed. Here I am, an English major, and then I don't know, Inepta something or Adopt Armor. I'm not sure, but it's Adept. <laughs> adept Armor just released a groundbreaking new armor plate made with titanium. Titanium has long been used in the aerospace industry because it's high strength, lightweight, and non-corrosive. But it hasn't been used previously for body armor because of poor thermal properties when going up against impacts. Adempt Armor, after years of research and testing, have come up with something new. For a long time, the debate has waged on multiple impact performance of steel versus ceramic, where lightweight ceramic cracks and the performance degrades after a few hits. In contrast, heavy steel will take more hits, but as heavy and bullets will spall and fragments are dangerous to the person wearing the armor, which, you know what? I didn't even think about fragments. Mm. Like if you're using, I mean, yeah, yeah, because honestly, some of these fragments will do a lot of damage. And Um, we just, we can talk about uh, what happened with Kentucky ballistics in his situation where a fragment from the rifle he shot blew up and a piece of it went into his juggler. Yeah, it could be it could be devastating. Yeah, no shit. It, it almost cost him his life. So yeah, that's yeah. another thing is here you're wearing this body armor, but you're not thinking once that impact hits your body armor and obviously it's going to branch off to a million pieces, that could also cost your life. So then what's the point? Yeah. This new titanium armor is multi-curved and is bonded to a, okay, this I don't know how to, but polyethylene. 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 Thank you polyethylene backer, which is said to provide the lightweight and performance characteristics of ceramic armor with the strength and multi-hit compatibility of steel armor. You know, what's funny is I was recording a quick little video of setting up my range and I coated the wood, the wood, the wood, I covered the wood, I covered the wood in polyethylene, but I couldn't say the freaking word. And my best friend who was recording, she was like, I was about to correct you, but whatever, just go with it. But I was polyethylene or poly, I don't even remember (laughs) what I said, but when I launch that video, there's going to be a bunch of keyboard warriors. You can't even pronounce that. Oh man, I have a Zastava video, uh, the very first video I did, and I kept on calling it Zastava. (laughs) This video is so sus because this dude can't even pronounce the name of the company. I'm like, get the fuck. 
Oh my god, that's so funny. It's sus, bro. This is yeah. sus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, the Mantis titanium armor plate is rated for M193, M855, M80, Ball, 762 by 39. All right, now we're finally speaking my language. And even special threats, 22 by 250 at over 4,250 feet per second. Round stop inside the titanium plate rather than on the surface like steel plates. So there's no need for anti-spall coating or fabric on the outside of the plate so the strike face is bare titanium. On the back, an integral trauma pad has a comfortable foam coating. The whole plate weighs in at 5.5 pounds. Oh. Yeah. That's huge. I know. I know. As I was reading this this morning, and also another thing that people don't realize is when I talk about gear chat, none of this is paid. It's not like a company contacts me and, hey, we just came up with this cool thing. Can we discuss it it's mostly my editor he just finds stuff that comes out and we talk about it i'm actually learning it as i'm typically teaching you guys this they definitely sound pretty cool it'd be great to see some real world testing videos one thing though is it is a little bit spendy 489 dollars per plate definitely up there with some of the more expensive ceramic plates but i don't know i'd say this is pretty innovative i think so too i mean it's pushing that boundary to find out what we can get away with i i should say that sounds really bad, you know, especially when you're talking about something that's potentially going to save your life. No, right. But at the same time, seeing companies out there that are pushing this envelope to find new and better ways to provide products to save our lives is uh, extremely interesting. And, you know, the video that I just did, uh, so the last video that I posted was a ballistics armor test on a polyethylene and ceramic hybrid, mm-hmm. just a basic ceramic plate. And I was very surprised with the result. The plate did things I didn't expect it to do. So I would love to be able to compare this to what happened with that plate. Yeah. Really cool. Not to basically you regurgitate everything that happened in your video, but what were some of the things that the plate did that unexpectedly happened? So I'm used to steel armor. So like AR 500 steel armor where you shoot it and yeah, there's a bit of a mark on it. But, and, and, you know, some of the protective coating gets flaked off or whatever, and mm-hmm. that's it. With this, when I shot it with XM193 from a 20-inch barrel AR-15, which gives you the max velocity for that round, it hit and cratered the front face of the ballistics plate. Wow. So all the polyethylene coating uh, on the front and then the ceramic blew away. Now there was very little deformation on the backside. So the plate did its job, but in comparison to, you know, a steel plate, obviously the steel plate maintained its form, whereas the ceramic plate started to deteriorate, which is exactly what it's supposed to do. Uh, So that was something I had never seen before. It was very interesting to me. And I shot five different calibers at it all progressively larger in size. And I'll tell you, the largest caliber that I shot was a 300 Win Mag. You'll be very surprised at the results on that one. So cool. Guys, definitely check out his video. And what is it titled just so that people can find it? Oh, man. What is the title of that video? (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So just search for Fit and Fire. Fit Uh, and Fire. Yeah, it's the last. Yeah. So it's a ballistic armor test. Nice. Yeah. Easy. 
Now, GSM Outdoors, if you guys are looking for something stabby, you got to check out Cold Steel. Do you have any experience with Cold Steel? Any of their knives? Not Cold Steel. I've seen a lot of their products, but I have yet to shell over some cash for them. As yeah. Yet, only just because stabby things scare me. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, okay. Their stuff's no joke. They sent me a few knives and I was playing around with it. And as ah, let's see how sharp it is. Not like I was stabbing my finger, but when you just kind of barely touch the blade yeah, just yeah. to kind of test it, I just barely touched it. And I must have touched it barely in a few other places because next thing I know, my entire hands have these little tiny micro cuts. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And that's never happened to me before. But yeah. Anyways, they have a variety of all kinds of stuff. You can really get lost looking through. They have stuff from EDC knives to swords. I really want to get my hands on a sword and see how much I could maybe do like a test. All right. What can I possibly cut through? And yeah, I don't know. They have stuff that's really affordable to higher end ones. I feel like it's kind of the one stop shop for all of your knife needs. If you want to check that out, just head on over to coldsteel.com. And if you use the code gunfunny20, you're going to get 20% off your entire order. Today's AF segment. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. Pay it forward. Mark, have you ever been in a drive-thru and somebody paid for your meal or drink or something like that? Yeah, it's the most awkward moment ever. (laughs) You feel like like a jerk if you don't do it, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally right. It is weird because sometimes you're like, man, can I just reap the benefits and be like, wow, that was really nice. And then suddenly your idea of humanity that you might have lost faith in changes. There are still good people out there. But unless you pay it forward and pay for the person behind you, you're pretty much a jerk. You have to do it. And you a lot of times end up getting screwed because let's say in my experience, if I go through Starbucks or any of the coffee drive throughs here, I typically I don't like really sugary drinks. And there's so many freaking calories in it. Sometimes I try to watch my calories to a degree. I usually just get a regular Americano, lots of half and half. If you guys have seen me make my coffee, I like tons of half and half. It's almost like my coffee looks white, (laughs) (laughs) but that's how I like my coffee. And that's normally two or three dollars. If they're like, yeah, the person behind you paid for you. Cool. That's awesome. Then they're like, all right, well, here, I'll pay for the person behind me. Okay. That's $30. What the hell did they order for their entire office? (laughs) That's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, how about I pay for me and you pay for you? Or it's like going out to a restaurant with your friend. We'll just split the bill. But they, this happened to me recently with my friend who I think is a little bit of an alcoholic and I haven't met with her since. But it was like 10 a.m. and this girl is chugging just nonstop. What are they called? The vodka with the orange juice. Oh. Tequila Sunrise or something. or no, uh, Tequila yeah, so, Sunrise, uh, I think, has grenadine in it. but Or maybe yeah, it's just uh, vodka orange juice. I don't know. Uh, a screwdriver. Yes, yes. Yeah. See, me, the first thing I ever got sick off of when I drank too much liquor was Bacardio. To this day, orange and liquor, anything together, even mimosas. Uh, can I just have the champagne? I don't like the flavor of orange and liquor together, so I can't do it. But my friend is just chugging all of these screwdrivers. and. I split the bill with her, but cool. All I had was a breakfast burrito or something. And then she had like probably seven screwdrivers and her food. And (laughs) yeah, yeah, I don't know. 
a lot of people, there was this one TikTok user, I don't know who she is, but Cody Katrina, she went viral with a clip about her experience. She said in the video, my order was $20. And because you had to go and order for the person behind you, my anxiety ridden butt couldn't be like, oh, okay, thanks. Bye. I had to pay for the person behind me who's $30. Pay it forward is a scam. And then actually, she, she got a lot of hate for this. Because people were just, you know, it's not a scam. It's blah, 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 whatever. She was like, all right, well, clearly I was exaggerating. It was, you know, just my type of humor. But people didn't pick up on that, which story of my life, because I have that weird dry sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And she was like, look, even if the person, you know, behind me, if their bill was $100, I would have still been obligated to pay. It was a very kind gesture on the part of the person that paid for my drink. And if I saw them, I would thank them. I just wanted to have an open discussion on the discomfort that comes along with the tradition of pay it forward. In 2020, a Dairy Queen continued one of these chains for over two and a half days. Wow. Imagine being the jerk that breaks it. Oh, cool. They just paid for my ice cream cone. Awesome. (laughs) The thing about it that really causes some criticism of the person who obviously doesn't continue the trend Some people may not even know about it. They don't even know that the trend. They just think that somebody in front of them was doing a good deed and they're just awesome. That's cool. Thank you. And they're obviously appreciative, but they don't think to pay for the person behind them. Also, one of the things that you don't think about is how this affects the people that are working that drive through. A major coffee chain manager said, most of the time you are alone on drive through, taking the order and putting the order while simultaneously greeting the car at the window, accepting their payment giving change, and handing out drinks. It's a lot in general. Throwing a pay it forward in the mix means none of your screens are showing you the right orders. And you have to remember who got what and who paid for what, which I actually didn't even think about. Hmm. Neither did I. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I know just throwing a curveball in someone who's in a routine, you know, and they've got their, you know, they're taking their orders, they're taking the money, they're giving the orders out and everything, get a nice little routine rhythm going on. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I will pay for the other ones too. And they're like, uh, what? You know, so. Yeah. Another thing that somebody said was, well, what if you just say, because let's say some people are just, oh man, they find out their order three times the amount that they were planning on paying for. Some people may not be able to afford that. Another good deed would be like, okay, well, I just want to put, here's $5 to the order behind me. But again, I would imagine working that drive-thru, you'd be like, cool, and now I have to deduct $5 from that person's order. And then at that point, I would be like, okay, fine. People that work fast food, they probably do deserve $15 an hour. <laughs> In some cases, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know, and then what happens if someone's paying with a card, but yet you give them cash? How does that work? Dude, you I know? don't even know. Have you ever worked through a drive-thru? Not a drive-thru. Or in fast food? No. No, I've done fast food, but not a drive-thru. Yeah, I've never done fast food. I would imagine, though, that if I did, I definitely wouldn't pick my favorite fast food restaurant because I probably would never eat it again because you find out what's really in it. Yeah. 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 My son works for a very large steak restaurant that may or may not be from the Lone Star State, but Uh actually got started in Minnesota. Uh And... uh, some of the stories that he's told me, I'm just like, dude, you know, that's one of my favorite places to eat. Don't tell me this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I could just imagine. I eat out all the time and I'm a germaphobe, but I'm pretty sure that eating out probably gives me the immunity boost that I need so that I can still be a germaphobe. But I unknowingly am exposed to all these things that I probably don't realize that I am. Yeah. Yeah. That's 
I've never even thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's honestly probably the only thing that's keeping me alive. Whether it's good or bad, who knows? All right. iTunes reviews. First review is bonafide underscore breed. It's titled Tactical AF. Five stars. This is by far one of my top two podcasts to listen to. Well, who's the first one? That's what I want to know. Who's that other one? I better not be one of those podcasts I can't stand because that would just suck. No. It's probably Ben Shapiro. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everybody listens to him. <laughs> I would think Joe Rogan would probably be the first. Oh, uh, that's true. Everyone's, I listen to Joe Rogan. Oh, that's cool. All right. So this is by far one of my top two podcasts to listen to while I get stuff done at my job. Makes 12-hour shifts tolerable. Can't help but think, do they work at the Federal Factory? And I not only get a good laugh here and there, but I'm always aware of all the stuff that's going on in our 2A community. Ava is an amazing 2A advocate, and I started to listen to her podcast with my daughter. I found your podcast after listening to Colian Noir's podcast and immediately caught up to all of your episodes. Keep up the amazing work. God feared Operator Tickles going to his jugular. So as a precaution, he made her small. Guess he forgot about his Achilles heel. That was a nice review. Uh, I love how I'm pausing and I'm just trying to take it all in. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward pause. Second is I.L. Carey, titled Made the Family Safer, five stars. Honest reviews about manufacturers and products, good guests who actually have something to add. Heck, I don't even mind the ad drops and how they get incorporated into the show. Even got my wife listening, and now she started going to the range with me and signed up for her CCW course. Hell yeah. She said, I didn't know they made actual gear for ladies. She bought the Alexo leggings and is looking forward to exercising now with a 2A. Keep up the good work because it's doing good work in the world. Man, this is going to be tough, but Mark, you have to pick one or the other to win a prize pack. Oh, goodness. Uh, I'm going to have to go with I.L. Carey. Just hearing the whole aspect of the wife being brought into it and everything. I know, really but, but this bonafide, one, Bonafide brings his daughter into it. it I know. Yeah, man, that's tough. Uh, okay, you know what? Yeah. We're going to make both of them winners. There you go. Because I love the fact that you guys are getting your wives or daughters involved. And I think personally, there needs to be way more women in the gun community. And I love that my podcast is able to do that. Thank you guys both for the really nice reviews. Makes me think that I'm not doing this for nothing. (laughs) All right. Now it's time to wrap up. Oh, and guys, if you want, just go to gunfunny.com. Click on the contact us form. And just tell me you're the winner, who you are, and a good mailing address. So now it's time to wrap up. Guys, you could head on over to gunfunny.com. There's links to social media, YouTube, anywhere that you can listen to the show. There's also affiliate links if you guys are shopping at Primary Arms, Brownells, Palmetto State Armory. If you guys click on that link and a small portion of the proceeds will actually go to me. So it's a really good way to support the show without having to do anything. Well, next to anything other than going to the website and clicking on that link. If you enjoy the show and you want to support it, you should consider becoming a Patreon. $5 and up Patreons, they get a Patreon-only patch that will never be for sale. So if you have that patch, you're part of the clan. And if you see somebody walking around, oh, I know that you know that I know. You know what I mean? That we know. Yeah. (laughs) I'm hoping to see those patches at NRA. Which, are you going to NRA? Oh, I haven't made the decision yet. Come on. on. I know I'm probably going to get guilt tripped into going, but I've got my trip next month to climb a 14er. And then I've got another trip to Kalash Bash in Houston area 
in October. So it's kind of like, what? I know. know. Can I make all three of them? Dude, I know. (laughs) I know. And then at the same time, still live your life and enjoy your own bed. Right? Yeah. Wanted to thank the $25 patrons. Those people are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, and Melissa Ridings. King of the Patreon, Jon Snow. He wants me to say that when the Tooth Fairy comes to your house, she takes your tooth and gives you money. If Operator Tickles has to come to your house, she'll break your tooth and take your money. (laughs) And this is actually pretty appropriate because last week Tickles actually had to get her teeth professionally cleaned and they put you to sleep to do it. Mm -hmm. And it sucks because I was away on the Minnesota trip to visit Federal but it took me like a month and a half to book an appointment for her. And I knew she needed her teeth cleaned because she's eight and she's never had her teeth cleaned. Luckily, she has an amazing babysitter that brought her. But it's really sad because she had to get a tooth pulled because it had a hole in it, which I guess essentially is a cavity. But mm-hmm. yeah, poor little tickles. And they sent me pictures of her and she had a little bandage around her arm where they put the IV and her mouth was super swollen. It was so sad. But she's doing much better now. She's just eating mushy food for the time being. She'll be back to her operator tickle self in no time. But Mark, I just wanted to thank you for joining me on the show. You're amazing. I really appreciate everything that you do. And just the fact that you're so knowledgeable about everything that I brought up. You're super active and keep up the good work. Can you just remind listeners once again where they can find you on social media? Absolutely. I am most active on the YouTubes. So you can find me at youtube.com slash fit in fire. And then also, also most active on Instagram. So that's going to be at fit in underscore fire. I'm also on Facebook if you guys do the books of faces and uh, Twitter as well if you tweet. All right, cool. All right, guys, on that note, as always, we're out of here and I'll see you next week. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.